Hey there, Magic Hour listeners. I've got a lot of updates this week before we get into the Battlefly episode that you're not going to want to miss. But first, I wanted to shout out the winners to a bunch of different contests that occurred over the past couple weeks. We had the OpenAI Art Contest, we had the Battlefly NFT Contest, and we gave away five whitelist spots for the Beacon Settlement launch. Before I go into the winners, I do want to ask all of you wonderful listeners on YouTube to smash that like button because that's how the algorithm will help other magic enjoyers find our videos. First up, we had Open Art AI contests, and there were six different winners for those contests. Those winners are for the Open Art AI side, Jacques, Andre, and Astro. And then on the treasure side, we had Sambino, Gabi, and Anda. Congratulations to all those winners. I'm going to share all the announcement links so you can check out their art and their profiles. Just look in the show notes. Next up, we held a contest on Twitter for the Battlefly NFT, which was won by Renata. Congrats to you, Renata. And then finally, we had a Beacon Whitelist spot contest, which was won by Who is Phil Edwards, Gimme Dilute, Renza Spreck, Lola Odu, and Bard of the Ether. Once again, congrats to all the winners. We're so happy that we could make things happen for you guys. Next up, Trove announced a litany of updates, and I wanted to tell you about them, and boy, there are a lot of them. Trove is now the destination for gaming on treasure, and it's not just a marketplace. They're adding three new features to what they call proof of play. These features are Treasure XP, Treasure Achieve, and Treasure Quests. Treasure XP is a meta experience system that will serve as the recognition of your actions across treasure. It will be earned and used to unlock new rewards and perks. Treasure Achieve is a new interoperable badges and achievements framework that games can use to enrich their game experience and players can collect for prestige and rewards. And finally, we have Treasure Quests, which is a cross-ecosystem MetaQuest framework that will foster game exploration and reward player participation. Clearly, Trove is trying to get more players involved across multiple cartridges and rewarding them for for doing so. I think this is a great initiative. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Then, along with this update, Magic and Ethereum on Arbitrum are now integrated with MoonPay, which is a fiat on-ramp that is live in over 160 countries. If you're not familiar with MoonPay, I think a bunch of celebrities and influencers were using MoonPay to buy Bored Apes probably about a year ago. So uh, MoonPay is pretty legit, and this will enable many more users to join our world simply through the use of a credit card or a bank account. And finally, we have a couple updates to the cartridges themselves. Uh, The Beacon Settlement launch occurred, and if you haven't yet, I encourage you to check it out. The game is awesome. It has like an Animal Crossing style settlement builder where you can decorate your own home based on the rewards that you get from your treasures. And then when you go into the dungeon, the game is just very fluid. It feels very responsive. I think it's going to be a hit. Uh, I want to play it some more. Just the limited time I was playing it, I was like, wow, this is great. Then on December 5th, we have Tales of Illyria, and they'll have their Dawn Heroes Mint. After that, Ruffian Reborn is going to have their Mint. And if you haven't heard our latest episode with them, I encourage you to check it out. I'll provide a link right here. And then finally, uh, Knights of the Ether Underdark is going to have their closed beta in January. We're already in 2023, folks. Imagine. Imagine. Finally, while you're listening to this podcast, you can go check out the Battlefly Hyperdome, which has launched alongside their governance token GFly, which you can learn all about on this week's episode. And without further ado, I'm proud to present Official Avenger from the Battlefly team. Enjoy.
Coming at you all the way from Arbitrum, it's the Magic Hour Podcast. This is Alan. Dionysus. And Breaker. Produced by Digital Strategies Guild. Ladies and gentlemen of the Magic Hour Podcast, I am thrilled to have on Ben from the Battlefly team. Official at Official Avenger is his name on Twitter. Ben, thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm very glad that you're here. Uh, I'm very excited. We've been trying to get you guys on for quite a bit of time now, and uh, it's it's really, just really wonderful to have you. So, as we like to do on the Magic Hour Pod, you know, uh, I like to ask uh, our our guests, you know, how they got into Web three, what they found unique, interesting about it, and uh, how you discovered magic. So, um, what what brought you into this space? What what was the first thing that kind of got you into the blockchain in general? I think I, I I was I was aware of Bitcoin as as I think a lot of people in technology were and skeptical for for about a decade, and then in twenty seventeen into twenty eighteen, it you know when it, Bitcoin went on that incredible. 20k run and then pulled all the way back to i think it was maybe 2000 us dollars i i was in, i was just stunned that it survived i was really i was impressed and with both bitcoin and 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 then ethereum you know sort of exhibiting a similar sort of thing where it felt like it was had the hallmarks of something anti-fragile and so i kind of bought my first bitcoin maybe some point 2017 early 2018 i can't remember and and that was it i was i was hooked you know i i um i was into from there i was uh, into nfts and 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 you know really sort of got got engaged in those last year discovered magic on day two after i bought a loot so i'd been sort of flipping nfts and and, and really small you know, like small projects and and then just learning a lot about the space and my first big purchase i remember thinking i'm going to Either buy a board a or a um, or a loot, and I had both of them open on OpenSea, and both of them were about the same the same price at the time, which mm-hmm. is amazing to think of. And right. this is this is probably July twenty two, and mm-hmm. I chose loot. And I chose poorly, but and the reason I chose loot was it felt it felt like such a big step forward. I, I couldn't couldn't fully understand why, but I was like, I think loot's loot's going to be the one, and then almost immediately had buyer's remorse like watch the you know i think the, right. the day after i bought it dom came out and was like the whole thing's decentralized and you know i'm not really going to be doing this actively i was like oh okay and then i think i must have bought the top and then sort of john Patton popped up in the in the loots discord and said you know we're doing this this interesting derivative called treasure and and i loved the way he wrote i loved the way he he was sort of thinking imaginatively and and um I thought, well, I've got a choice here. I can either you know, sell my loot and take the L, or I can go over to this treasure thing, which is just launching, and um, stake my loot and, and get some of this magic token. Um, and very quickly worked out that that you know, magic and, and and what has become treasure DAO was a project that had huge asymmetric upside. Um, and yeah, that's that's how I got here. I mean. That sounds very very similar to my experience, with the exception of buying loot, because I, I missed the boat on the loot altogether. But I really did enjoy the the idea of the NFT being text on a screen in, I guess, the real world, but 
in the digital world, it could be anything. So I think I was really hyped about that. But uh, before we dive into Battlefly, historically, I, I guess you come from the tech world or the finance world. What's your background? Tech. I, I founded a digital agency back in 2009, um, which I ran and, and installed in 2018. So that, that's, that's always been my background. Co-founded a bunch of startups along the way. Awesome. I, I mean, I, I've spoken to a number of people with very similar paths. So uh, sounds like it's a familiar territory. So in talking about Battlefly, what was the original genesis for the idea of this hyperdome battleflies fighting against each other? <laughs> so one one of the um, startups that I co-founded built fan engagement games for the large sporting codes um, all over the world, and you know mm-hmm. essentially in fantasy sports sort of um, products where where people build their team um, from a bunch of players, they argue about it online in forums, and then. Once a week, these teams play, and and um, and someone wins, someone loses, and and leaderboards are, are created. And and I guess this is that's been an enduring product. It started, you know, as as people mailing, like filling out lists and mailing them into a, a head office somewhere, where someone would tabulate the scores and then publish them in the newspaper. Then evolved when when the world became digital to be. Um, something you do on, on your own on your desktop and then became this sort of mobile first experience where which is how I first discovered it. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of fascinated by this idea of sometimes people just love playing these data-driven games because mm-hmm. it gives them a chance to uh, I guess in, engage in rivalry. That's that's you know it's fair. Everyone's running to the same guidelines, but it's it's I guess it's just a lot of fun. So when I was thinking about well what what would I love to build in, in NFTs? I knew that a game was where I'd, I'd want to go because I, I knew that that sort of PvP space pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have an enormous amount of faith in the P2E model as it played out in the last bull cycle. It felt like it was um, felt like it was sort of Ponzi-nomics a lot of the time. And and so set about you know essentially a spreadsheet. Could you build a game that would be fun that would enable people to to, to compete against each other where the winners would would get some rewards. The the losers would have incentives to stick around, and 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 if doing so, you could you could build a game that could grow from you know hundreds of people playing all the way through to theoretically millions of people playing, and it would still be sustainable. And that was that was the initial idea for Battlefly, and then the lore and everything else came after that. I love that. Um, and really, as a quick aside, you talked about like the history of fantasy sports i have a wonderful story to tell you about that my father when i was younger he's he's always been a rotisserie baseball kind of guy and i'm not yep. sure if you uh, are familiar <laughs> with rotisserie baseball but long ago <laughs> but when when the internet was like just getting started my i used to help my dad download his rotisserie results from a bulletin board system and then we had him format it in like <laughs> Word perfect or something like that, so that he could print it out on on uh, sheets of paper and it like aligned, you know, so that he could like see what the results were each week. And I remember doing this, and I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> so interesting. He has to like call up on the phone to get to get access to the stuff and and make all his trades and stuff like that. So you just you reminded me of that with the heck conversation. So that's that's really interesting that you uh you found your way into this yourself. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, pe- people love it. Pe- I think um, 
And, and what's interesting to me is that you sort of got, I think, three different types of builders now looking at, at GameFi. You've got the people who are who believe that the only way to the only way Web three game is going to work is if you build, you know, rebuild Call of Duty um, on the blockchain. That and, and that may be true. I, I don't know. You've got the second group that are, are really looking at, at you know casual mobile gaming, where um, with with I guess NFTs and ownership added into that gameplay, and then Battlefly is sort of part of a I guess a smaller group taking a third line, which is data driven games where rivalry and actually playing against real people and 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 strategizing against real opponents is is the hook and all three may be successful one or three it's it's hard to know at this point that's a really great take and you know i didn't i never really i guess kind of analyzed it in the in the way you just described it as three different categories but that makes a lot of sense and frankly i kind of like the third category that you spoke about this data-driven rivalry strategy type of game because i think that that is what would really be an entertainment on the blockchain because i think what you guys are building with the hyperdome right it's hyperdome right the, the battlefly right. yeah. i i like that idea it it seems like it's in the spirit of what the blockchain is like everybody can play whether it's one or one million and everybody's incentivized to stay if they lose and hope that they can win the next time and not lose everything if they lose but still like feel like they've had a good time and they made an effort to try and win the best that they could so um i'm glad that you kind of have that vision because I, I i like that idea i actually have been thinking about like i don't know if you've heard of the race to uranus game yeah. but i like that one as well because it's like a very similar type of game like you don't have to buy a lot of nfts but you have you can participate whether you own one or not and someone wins but even if you lose you get something back and i think that that's that people are going to find that's going to be one of the more popular ways to interact with the blockchain at least in my opinion yeah it's less zero sum and, and i think one of the um you know one of the defining features of of crypto and crypto twitter at the moment is is the the need and desire to be early and it's a it's an interesting sort of dynamic you you because so so many people are, are either scared of or oblivious to being used as exit liquidity and and what battlefly is trying to experiment with is is can you build a game that is essentially not not doesn't doesn't favor the people who get in first it doesn't penalize them but it doesn't give them a a lingering advantage that that disincentivizes other people from coming in Gotcha. All right. So, how many members are on the Battlefly team, and and are you the, I guess, COO or the leader of the well, Battlefly we're, team, or yeah, is it more of a DAO? We're, we're we're a DAO now. So, okay. um, there's a a group of core contributors. I'm I'm part of that. I I kind of wear the, I guess the 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 vision holder role at the moment, but but increasingly you know, see that the other people are sort of taking on different parts of, of what, what Battlefly is. So there were about 13 people working um, in varying degrees of part and full-time um, on the project. We, you know, we have essentially three different parts of what we're doing. There's, there's a season one game, which is, you know, ha has most of the effort. It's, it's a 
it's a beast what we're building there. But then we have Flywheel as well as, as sort of almost a, a standalone product that is you know, it's generating a lot of magic emissions. It's, it's, I think it's done a, a good job for the magic ecosystem in, in helping um, other projects get, get started and, and give people a way into um, you know, staking their magic and earning some yield. And then over the top of that, we've got you know, so, some sort of clever math and engineering brains that are tying it together and, um, and, and making it all work. So you know, Battlefly at the end of the day is, is, a, is a giant spreadsheet, right, where we're, we're trying to aggregate as much yield as we can and, and then push that out into the, into the treasure ecosystem in a way that attracts as many users and players and stakers as we can. That's essentially the, the game we're playing. I love that. And, you know, I remember when you guys first started announcing the project, I think it was like back in January of this year, maybe. And, you know, you had the founder passes and you were kind of connecting with a whole lot of different NFT projects in the ecosystem. I was, uh, I'm an EtherOrgs holder. I still have my EtherOrgs. So, you know, I think about that. How easily was it to, I guess, implement these other projects into the Battleflies and connect them. I know that there's like, I mean, composability is one of the main facets of the blockchain. Was it as easy as people say, kind of like just kind of incorporating the art or was it a little more complicated than that? <laughs> the first one was very hard. The The next uh, 89 were a lot easier. So, <laughs> you know, we, we <laughs> a lot that we've built that isn't yet visible to um to folks and even other builders, um, you know, at this stage, because we really need to get um, season one launched and, mm. and, and that sort of is, is happening now-ish mm. um, before we can, we can start to, to use that uh, composability. But, you know, we, we've, we've made it so that the wing armor of the Battleflies, ultimately anyone will be able to create their own wing armor and, and push that into the, the game. And it could be someone creating their own. It could be another project that wants to um to take part in a breeding program and and that's as permissionless as we can make it um mm -hmm. we do we've, we're doing the same with mods as well so you know running behind the scenes is a, is a is a really powerful set of libraries that 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 enable someone to just describe a mod in like a, in a notion document so they they sort of in a table fill out what they think the mod should do and and make sure that it, it fits some parameters so that it's not completely um kind of blow up the game and then they can push that into the game and, 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 you know, I want to get to the point, hopefully in the not too distant future where other projects who are building within the treasure ecosystem can start to have their own games mods in, um, in Battlefly. And that, you know, hopefully provides another sync for them so that, you know, whether it's a, an in-game token or something like an Elm, it's another, another reason for people to, I guess, use their token or use their gameplay to, achieve a, a side benefit in Battlefly. Hmm. So, yeah, we, I think the first mod that's coming will be the Mushrooms. Okay. Folks are, are doing something with Spore, mm -hmm. and, and that, will be, um, that will be one of the mods that's, that's sort of only available to people who are holding that NFT in that project and also playing Battlefly. Right on. And obviously you hinted at the Season 1, like, from the get-go, but then I guess whether it was realizing that it was going to take a lot longer to build or launch this type of gameplay. You guys launched the Battlefly Racer, which was kind of like a Temple Runner kind of game. How, yeah. how do you think that was received by the community? 
do you think there's a lot of activity that was going on there? Or do you think that, uh, you know, they're just waiting for the Hyperdome? I, look, I think a lot of people are waiting for the PvP game. Mm-hmm. The role of Racer was, you know, every, everything we're doing is experimental. And, right. and that's, that's, <laughs> we keep making that point because, because no one knows enough yet about Web3 gaming to be, to be experts. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's testing ideas out. So Racer was a test to see how, what does free play look like? And mm-hmm. what does the battlefly look like in a 3D environment? And is it something that people, it kind of makes sense to them and they, and they enjoy playing with? So you know, we, we, we have a few hundred people every day playing racer, farming nectar. Mm-hmm. It's not much, but, but when you look at, you know, some of the other game five protocols that are valued at, you know, $1 billion plus, they're, they're running about the same mark at the moment because it's a, it's a pretty tough market. So I think people have enjoyed. What what I hoped would happen has happened, which which is people enjoy flying their battlefly around, right. and as a brand new piece of IP, you know, no one. This is it's not a derivative, it's not a copycat. It's like a whole new idea, like a a, a battlefly in this sort of futuristic environment with weapons attached to it, and people kind of hooked in and 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 have understood it. And um, for a very simple mini game, I think people have enjoyed it. So it gives us a lot of space to play into in the future ultimately i would love to see battlefly evolve to become a, a truly triple a standard game and, and i think racer is like a very very small glimpse as to what that might look like in the future cool so is is it safe to say that there will be like a or in your in this vision of yours like potentially a battlefly metaverse you know like a 3d world kind of thing and if you if you don't want to answer that or commit to that. That's fine, but that's kind of what I was like imagining. Yeah, I, I, all that. yeah, exactly. So, so I think one of the things that I like, I love playing Fortnite, for example. I really, me I really too. I, I love it too. <laughs> and I love, I love like um, even GTA Five, and and just you know, sometimes I just if I've had a stressful day, I'll just drive around and you know, kind of shoot at people and then try and steal a a fighter jet and go for a spin. Like I'm not, I'm not into the missions or anything like that. But one of the things I, I always think when I'm playing Fortnite is I'd love to just run a, a vehicle workshop here in, in, in the Fortnite world, you know, and just kind of create these, these crazy vehicles that people can drive. And, and if I could sell them even better, because I think that would be a lot of fun, um, just coming up with new ideas and pushing them in. So Battlefly will, you know, and, th- and this is very much subject to, to where the DAO wants to take it long term. But my my two cents on it is is that we should be building a, a, an immersive three D world where people can play different roles within it. So there'll be the the racer style um, people who are you know, people who love playing those quick um, kinetic sort of games where reaction speed and things like that is important. And that will be a very competitive mode of the game. And then There'll be another another mode which is more about the the unlocking of value. So we are seeing that happen at the moment. We're seeing people, you know, play racer just to collect a lot of nectar, and then I think with season one launching, we'll see people playing the game to collect a lot of magic. If we can bring those two different styles of gameplay together and have them working both in competition and collaboration, I think we'll have something really interesting because then you've got a a game that essentially has different different character modes that people can play. Yeah, I, and I think that that's that's one one thing that will bring more people in because they can see that there's 
you don't just have to be one type of person. Like I, I watched this uh, streamer day nine and he was just playing. He, I was watching one of his YouTube videos and he was playing this new game called Warhammer, whatever. But he mentioned that he's not really a FPS player. Like he's more of a kind of like a deck builder type. So clearly there's, there's many different ways that people like to play games online. So I think what you're talking about catering to the different styles of gameplay will attract more people and allow them to each play the game the way that they want to or participate, I should say, the way that they want to. So I, I appreciate that take as well. And if someone just wants to be a wing art creator, you know, within the game, or all they want to do is manufacture mods and actually sell them into the, into the Battlefly ecosystem, mm -hmm. um, ultimately I want to get to a point where, where that's possible. Mm -hmm. Because I think the, the metaverse game play modes will work well when they're connected in the way the treasure is, is, is doing it. Like that mm -hmm. is people can, people can move around between different games and sort of build a, a profile across all these different worlds. I think that, that's really fun. But then within one of those worlds, being able to carve out a space in the economy that's not just farming or not just racing, for example, would be really interesting. And we, we, we had a whole bunch of contributors, you know, we over 90 different projects and, and, and a number of different artists who help us create the wing art for season one. I'm hopeful that when we get to season two and beyond that we can start to do that in a more permissionless way and artists can, can create, you know, whatever they want and, and, and that mm -hmm. people will, will see value in that. And there might be one of ones or one of a limited edition that people are actually chasing. Cool. I, I mean, I have a friend who's, uh who loves to do art. So I, I'll let him know about that because I'm sure he'd be interested in, in uh, getting involved in that way. But that, that's really cool that, you know, you're kind of extending it even to the creators where, you know, they may not be such big gamers. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to say, first off, congratulations on the launch of the GFly token. You know, I know that, it, that you guys have been talking about this for a little bit. Now, when did you realize that a token like this would be needed considering that originally you were talking about winning Magic and I guess as a kind of associated question, what benefits does the GFly token provide for users, founders, NFT holders, et cetera? Yeah, so GFly is, I guess, a governance token primarily that is required to power the, the network. So there's a, you know, I'm very, very keen to keep using Magic as our primary gameplay token because I think what, what Magic does so well is it enables people to play, you know, well, if you, Look ahead a year from now, there'll be anywhere between 10 to maybe 20 plus different games and worlds that people can move, move around with, with one token. So mm -hmm. that's cool. But GFly, so what, what's the role of GFly? Utility. So the number one utility is by staking GFly, you help power the RNG emissions of the game. So we, you know, whenever we use a um, random number generator to select an opponent in combat or to distribute mods or whatever it is, we reward the the, the GFly stakers because we we have actually used um, the entropy from, from that GFly stake to to gen generate the RNG and so that that reward comes in the form of 0.08 magic so just under one point one of a magic being shared across all GFly stakers every battle mm -hmm. which is kind of cool it's a cool way to do it so if there, if there's ten thousand battles in a day then then um I guess roughly um eight hundred magic distributed to um to the to the holders. Sorry, 80 magic. The, mm -hmm. the second utility is we have flywheel, which generates 
you know, at the moment with current emissions, something like 7,000 magic per day. And by staking GFly and helping power the network, you get a share of those flywheel emissions. And the longer you lock up for, the greater that share of emissions. So, you know, at, at the moment, I think that, you know, there's a very small group of people who have locked up for a very long amount of time, like a year, mm-hmm. and they're receiving the bulk of those emissions with a pretty, um, like an APR that reminds me of the own fork days at the end of 22 when, when, when they were, they were wild. Right. And then the third utility is, is that by, by locking up and, and, and doing that, you, you get additional, um, G fly lockup rewards as well. So mm-hmm. there's a bonus there. So, you know, ultimately I'm a really big believer in, in community contribution. Um, you know, most of our team came out of the V1 and V2 founder NFTs that we did. So, you know, the project was just sort of three people. And then we did the, the V1 and V2s and we, and we attracted a bunch more people who actually joined the project and then are now part of that core contributor group. So I'm hopeful with GFly that we find the next batch of contribu- contributors, you know, whether it's people who are so passionate about the project that they're staking and, and want to help us build it. Or, you know, we've got an ecosystem fund where I think it's, 1.3 million GFly over the next few years will go to people who can help us build the the worlds out within the game. Awesome. So it's it's kind of like incentivizing the builders to come build over here, but also uh, rewarding the players, the supporters, anybody who is participating in the Battlefly ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm 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 happy that you guys were able to launch it. I, you know, I'm on <laughs> Magic Swap tough right time now. To be launching anything? <laughs> it is. You know what? But at the same time, I think it's, I think it's a testament to how strong this particular community is. Because I mean, granted, I'm kind of, I guess, talking with a lot of project builders in this space, the Treasure DAO space specifically, but. There are so many different projects here in the in this Treasure DAO ecosystem that are really interested, positive, hopeful, and no one cares about the or I shouldn't say no one cares, but they're focused on bringing something that's fun and entertaining to the user, to the player, right? And regardless of the current state of affairs, which, you know, maybe this is what it's going to be for a while, which, I mean, that's the way it was after 2017. And that's the way it was after 2014. You know, like, I think these cycles are natural in or what we've seen in the cryptocurrency space so far. So I don't see why it's something that you wouldn't be like, well, this is just the way it's going to be for a couple of months or years or so, but we're still building. So I think that it's okay as long as you guys are focused on building and delivering and continuing to make things happen, you know? I, I think there's, there's, there's two aspects of that. The, the first one is this particular dip has revealed there have been some, you know, either bad actors or highly unqualified <laughs> actors who, who have caused a lot of carnage. And, and I think there is a real trust deficit. And the P2E bubble last year, I think burned a lot more people than, than crypto realized. There was a, there was a lot of people, particularly in emerging economies, that probably felt like they'd been left holding the bag when some of these play to earn projects mooned and then suddenly dipped just as fast when when the Ponzi nomics ran out of steam. So 
there's a there's a trust deficit, and that was top of mind for us. It was well, if we launch now and and we show people that we're serious and we build regardless, you know, knowing that it's a very very bleak, it's a very tough time to launch a token, and it's a very very tough time to to launch a, a game. Then people will will know that at least we're here for the right reasons. We're here because we believe that long term this is this is going to be a big part of crypto making the world a, I guess a, a a better place, not just a different place. So that's that's lens number one, and, and hopefully people can see that. I think any builder in the treasury ecosystem or outside who is just still shipping through this has has a lot of resilience in in, in their team and character because uh, it's tough. The second part. And again, as a team, we've been really reflecting on this. Is is that great Ed Senna quote where he is something along the lines of, you know, it's it's you can't overtake fifteen cars when it's sunny, but you can when it's raining. And we are seeing that, like out, outside of Treasure, there's projects that are simply disappearing. Like each day, they the teams are giving up. the The communities aren't big enough, whatever it is. And somehow Treasure has. You know, everyone's sad because a lot of people have round trips, like a lot of a lot of money. But mm-hmm. but there is a a community and a fabric that's tying the, the place together. And I think when we em- emerge out of this, and, and and I don't know when that will be. I mean, it, it could be years. But I, I do think that only a handful of GameFi ecosystems will survive, and they will have an enormous head start. Because they will have been building when when others were waiting, and they will have, I guess, a you know they will have defined the market where others were were sort of looking to copy. And I think Treasure will be one of four or five that will actually survive and and be one of the you know the, the ecosystems, which is pretty cool, pretty exciting to be part of. I agree. It is pretty exciting to be a part of, and you know, y- you bring up a valid point. I think, you know, I think about DeFi kingdoms. <laughs> which everybody was talking about, but I think is like somewhat dead in the water right now. And I, I mean, I haven't heard anything about it lately, but you know, I, I think what I've learned in being a part of web three and, and interacting with it is like, you have to have that network effect. You need to have people interacting with your network, with your blockchain, with your assets for them to have value. If no one is transacting, then the yield farms stop yielding. And then People aren't getting what they want, so they start selling the tokens, so the value starts going down. So there needs to be this constant movement going on, right? It has to be active and generating transactions, whether it be playing games, trading tokens, minting tokens, crafting mods, like you said. All these different interactions need to take place for the ecosystem to stay vibrant and thrive. And, you know, that's what's. That's why this treasure ecosystem is so great because we have all these different cartridges that are going to play off of one of each other and warrant continuing with those transactions. Like they're going to need them regardless. And it's one of the reasons that I'm very excited to be here as well. And, and whether, it's, whether it was a stroke of genius or, or, or good fortune and maybe a combination of the two, I think treasure ending up on Arbitrum and an Arbitrum, you know, being what seems to be a long way ahead of some of its competitive set in terms of how it's thinking about what, it, what a, an L2 chain needs to do and how it can bring the best of Ethereum, but then amplify that across you know, the, the, this sort of connected ecosystems. 
I think will be one of the best decisions that Treasure um, has ever made. It's, it could we could have ended up anywhere if you think about when that decision was made back in mm-hmm. October twenty two. Treasure could easily have been like right now languishing on Phantom or Harmony or or something right. else, right? And then, and some have, but but we're on instead we're on Arbitrum, which is you know one of the few L twos that I think is is actually growing through this through this bear market mm-hmm. with a lot more promise ahead of it. So. There's a lot of reasons to be excited. I agree with you, and I think I think it also is helpful that Arbitrum doesn't have a token. And I think that some people kind of like are down about that. And I know there's rumors of a token coming, and you know I'm not too familiar with whether that's true or not. But I think the ability or the frictionless nature of being able to just transfer your eth- Ethereum over to Arbitrum and and be able to use it without having to convert it into another token is also a benefit to Arbitrum. I mean, a lot of people use Polygon and I know that that ecosystem is somewhat thriving as well. Like I mentioned, I have Etherworks over there. So, you know, it works as, as well as it can be. And that's great. But, you know, I think, like you said, Arbitrum is doing great things and you don't need to convert in order to use it, which I think, you know, will be helpful in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about season one, the Hyperdome. I'm hyped. I know you probably don't have a release date set in stone. Can you give any type of time frame? And if you can't, that's okay too. You know, I don't want to. I know. Yeah. People would like to no, make absolutely. I can. Oh, cool. Um. So, so so I have good news there. So so because we've now launched GFly, the way our our RNG algorithms work is that. Once we have a certain amount of GFly staked, we can start. We can enable battles to happen because there's enough enough entropy in the in the network to make it all provably fair. So we are opening either today or tomorrow to our founders because they, as being part of the founder NFT group, have have staked something like five hundred and fifty thousand GFly between them into into the vault. So the game season one opens for founders. You know that, that that's that's going to be roughly five hundred people playing. I guess to like, in, in some respects, you know, the game is finished. But I really want to hear from the founders around areas that that we can improve things, and, and we know that there's you know we've been feature stuffing right up until the last moment. So there's a bunch of things in the UI that are getting a lot of love and attention at the moment, um, and will be you know ready in the next next couple of months because I think one of the things that we've done is 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 add a lot and. Then when we kind of took a step back and started to write some of the onboarding guides, we were like, whoa, there's a, there's a lot here for a, for a new player. So mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got a, a full-time UXer at the moment who is just re, rethinking some of that. But, but the game will be live in the next 24 to 48 hours. And wow. I've been playing it now for the past two weeks with two Battleflies in, in, in beta mode. I've really enjoyed it. It, it. It's it's my type of game because it's you can sort of play it for fifteen minutes a day where you're you're really just tracking the data, seeing how your butterfly is going, maybe mm-hmm. changing the um the loadout up and then sending it back out to battle. One of my butterflies has made a huge profit, and one of them has made it a very clear loss. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm working out whether I'm going to keep that happening so that I can nectar farm on the loser and. Mm-hmm push that into the um to the winner or because because nectar is really how you get better mods it's you can you can use it to 
re-roll, you can use it to boost rarity, you can use it to increase your chances of getting rare mods. And while rare mods don't, you know, in and of themselves are no guarantee of, of success, I think in the early stages of the game, it, w- it will be one of the defining factors. So, yeah, we're live, or well, almost live. Well, honestly- It will be when I, people hear this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, we're not releasing this episode probably for another week. So um, by the time you're listening to this episode, season one of the Hyperdome should be live. I'm pretty excited about it. I actually have like eight Battleflies. So I'm looking forward to kind of being uh, strategic and, and getting involved. And I like what you said about, well, I only play for like 15 minutes a day because that's the way I like to digest my games as well. And I think that's part of the attraction of like the Fortnite, right? You can hop in, play one game. It doesn't last more than 15, 20 minutes and you're out. If that's all the time you have, you know, like, I know some people play League of Legends and those games go for an hour plus. And I'm like, how do you, how can you be committed to a game like that and and not like be able to get up, you know, like something might happen. You need to leave the the desk to go somewhere. You know, you can't do that with these, with some of these games. Like, I just don't, you know, like that's not for me. So I love hearing that. And that's the kind of thing that I'm looking forward to. And, and one of the things about building in Web3 is you get real-time feedback and real-time FUD. I think some people will will say, I want a game I can play where I can actually control it. And then we can say, well, look, that's, that's Battlefly Racer, right? But mm-hmm. the thing about Battlefly Racer is you, ha- you have to have very, very good reaction speeds to be good at it. And so it's, it, that, that's why I think the game has a natural ceiling as to how many people will ever want to play it on any given day. Um, even if there's rewards up for grabs, because ultimately they, you know, it's 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 kind of capped how good you're going to be at it. With with the arena game, with the hyperdome, it really comes down to you're either playing a good strategy or you're not. And I think so, everything we've built around it, the the animations, the the battle animations, you know, even though you're not controlling your battle fly, you get to see the battle happen. It's all just um, decoration around what is what is really just a a battle of strategies and i think people will i keep saying this when, when i want to talk about the game the objective of the game is to win you know try and win 52 53 of the battles you're in and do that by spending as little on mods as you can because that's how you generate the most roi so any whale can come in and spend a thousand magic and lots of mods but they're going to find themselves having to win a lot of battles to, to make that money back it's the players who can get a, a positive win rate and do that while, while playing as many of the cards they're dealt as they can who will, um, who will ultimately be the most successful. I'm going to have to do a lot of research. I mean, this sounds, sounds like up my alley for sure. I'm, I'm like a, a finance guy. I live in spreadsheets in Excel, so this sounds <laughs> right up my alley. Uh, but I do like the gameplay too, you know, like I thought Battle, Battlefly Racer was fun, uh, you know, like as a, as kind of like something to play when there was nothing to play, you know, and I'm kind of exactly. looking forward to some other cartridges in the ecosystem, the beacon for one of them. I played the demo for <laughs> Ruffian Reborn, which reminded me of Heroes of Might and Magic. So, I mean, you know, like we're starting to see more games, more activities coming. So I, I get, I get kind of like really excited and, um hopeful you know seeing what people are delivering because like you said this is all very experimental it's new we don't know what's going to land and what's you know what people are going to flock to and what they won't so 
and we just kind of got to try everything or be new and try something that's never been done before too, right? I think that exactly. that's going to be the stuff that's really going to attract people to the space and get them interested. And the other thing too is, it, you know, and I know this is coming also, it's got to be easier, right? I feel like you know, I, I say this before on the pod, but we're in the DOS days of the, of the blockchain. You know, you're, <laughs> we're essentially working at the command line. And, you know, for the, re- the most gamers, you know, I think a lot of them can understand the DOS command line stuff, but we need better graphical user interfaces to just get into these ecosystems. So I hope those are coming soon. And I wonder if, if there's a way to make that easier to get into treasure, like, you know, but that's for a different conversation, I would imagine. Fiat, fiat on ramps, fiat on ramps into magic would make all of this so much easier. I think, I think that also has to come with a, an association with a wallet of some sorts, or, you know, I, I mean, I know the way Reddit did it was really good. And I just downloaded the GameStop wallet, which I think is another one that might kind of, I think you have to trick people into think into, excuse me. Trick is not the wrong word. You have to give them the opportunity to play these games without knowing that they're actually on the blockchain or, you know, having to kind of, and, and I guess it goes back to what you said, like the fiat on-ramp, on-ramp to magic where you can just take your dollars and, you know, oh, you want to play Battlefly? Well, all it takes is five bucks and that's it. Just load five bucks into here and we do all the converting on our end. I mean, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. I, what I hope is going to happen in the future, like everything becomes tokenized where, you know, your Starbucks points and your Dunkin' Donuts rewards and all that kind of stuff become tokens that you can trade into Ethereum dollars or maybe Amazon points or Best Buy points or whatever. So who knows? You know, the future is bright is what I have to say there. But um, I know we got a couple minutes left, but I'm out of questions. And Ben, this was a wonderful conversation. Is there anything else you want to share about the future? I know that there's a lot coming and you guys have been working really hard. So I, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else, but um, if not, it was a pleasure having you here. Thank you very much for having me. And, and, um, and, and you know, thank you to everyone in the Treasure ecosystem for the, the support and the feedback. And you know, we, we, are, we are always looking to hear from, hear from contributors and, and people who want to help us build something that, that people love to play. So, you know, it's always a, a call out for anyone who's, who's got ideas for how they can either make Battlefly better or Flywheel or come and help with that or, you know, think of ways for us to extend into some of the other projects. We, we definitely want, want to be part of it. So thanks mm-hmm. for all the work you do in, um, in keeping the, um, the flame alive during a, a pretty cold crypto winter. You don't see it in a lot of other places. So I think it's, uh, I think it's worth continuing to, be supportive and and showcase wonderful projects like yourself so thanks for joining the pod and uh you know good luck to you and uh i look forward to playing the hyperdome anytime see you in there yeah and that concludes another episode of magic hour friends If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at MagicHourPod. All the links are found on our link tree, which is in the show notes. From all of us, we appreciate your support for Bridgeworld. Bridgeworld.